This is Grown Up With Kids, the parenting and marriage podcast that gives a weekly dose of encouragement, wisdom, and humor for people trying their best to live, love, and laugh more with their families. Thanks for joining us. Hey, hey, today we talk about how asking our kids good questions helps them better understand themselves and the world around them. We also discuss the historical alliance between Uri, Schweiz, and Unterwolden. <laughs> Was that a good accent? Growing up with kids podcast. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, buddy. How you doing, Rach? Are you gonna start a career in your announcing skills someday? I don't think so. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone hopes not. Uh, uh, good evening. Good evening. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. It was a full day. A full day, full of digging and uh, a lot of holes dug. Complaining kids and. Just Sweaty the norm. Just, just the norm. Just the average day. Had a good weekend of fireworks, all the fun stuff. Yes, tons of fun. Yeah, yeah that is the crazy thing. The fireworks were like all over our neighborhood because nobody could go anywhere like mm-hmm. for the big show. And so they just made their own big show, which means that we live in the city and there was popping everywhere. Yeah, it was kind of fun. There's like one, one direction, two blocks, and they were shooting ones into the sky. Like, yeah, like they crossed the border to get the good stuff. And you then know? one, like two blocks west of that. And then we went to another neighborhood where you witnessed a fight and that was kind of entertaining. Oh my gosh. <laughs> freaky dicky. I was freaked but out. But we saw more fireworks than we usually do because so many people, I think, were like, oh, we're not going anywhere. We're exactly. just going to go buy them in South Carolina or something. Yeah, it was totally fun. Totally fun. Totally fun. So... Uh, wanted to jump in. Some people have asked recently how they can support what we're doing. Um, the easy and short answer is leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast and share it with a friend. You can leave a review wherever you're listening or push the little button with five stars or one. It's fine. We can take it. Or six. Is there a six star <laughs> button? Is that an option? Um, easiest way to share this podcast is to use the share button from your podcast platform or just cut and paste our website, www.growingupwithkidspodcast.com and text it along. Boom. There you go. So our goal is always to laugh a little, um, let you know you're not alone in parenting, hopefully start good conversations with your spouse or significant other that you're raising kids with, maybe in your community, just, um, you know, a little encouragement and laughter to get you going. Well, let's do it. I hope it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> From time to time. I hope there's like an ounce of wisdom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so with that intro, um, I wanted to talk about asking our kids good questions today. Ooh, yes. So this is coming from something that uh, struck me in a book I'm in the middle of, which is called Prepared, What Kids Need for a Fulfilled Life by Diane Tavener. I hope that's how you pronounce it. Um, And she started something called Summit Public Schools, which I believe is like an organization of charter schools. And they started out of like the Silicon Valley area. Uh Um, And so it's a lot about what the goal of how they operate their school is and how they're preparing students to be ready to go to college and then ultimately to get out in the workforce and have a successful 
um, and productive life. But there's a lot of application to how we do parenting as well. And I haven't gotten to the end, but there's like a whole section at the end of taking these concepts into parenting. So I recommend the book so far. I'm a little over halfway through. Very interesting. Um, It's been encouraging and challenging for me to think about how we're continuing to challenge our kids um, to grow in their education, but also just in their emotional um, maturity. And uh, we have a lot of time to focus on that since they haven't been in school since March. (laughs) (laughs) We are the school. (laughs) Yeah. So I wanted to read a quote, and then we can jump into some of our thoughts on this idea of asking our kids questions. Um, And the background to me is I think I spend a lot of time thinking about, oh, what do I need to tell our kids to do or to be? Or and a lot of it's like pick up your towel and <laughs> hang flush it up. The toilet. Yeah, wipe the seat. All well, those sorts of things. Flush the toilet. Oh wait, flush the toilet. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I say that so many times a day, it just comes out. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, on repeat. But I think um, the idea of like asking questions to grow our kids is also a cool thing, and asking questions to know our kids. Ooh, look at that rhyming. Boom. <laughs> Didn't even plan that, Rach. Um, So this is what she wrote. Uh, This is the quote. Something I constantly working on with Rhett, which is her son, is my ability to set my emotion and myself aside so I can simply be there for him. At my best, I can listen, ask genuine questions, and help him to see his own logic and emotion in a situation. At my best, I resist interrupting or judging him, and I let him come to conclusions and decisions that likely wouldn't have been possible without my presence, but aren't mine. End quote. Interesting. What was striking to you about that? Um, So it's in the context of how learning through questions changes the teacher-child dynamic and the parent-child dynamic from I'm telling you what to do and you're learning and absorbing that to more I'm helping you explore what you're thinking and feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that idea of I do think some of that is age, right? Like when your kid is two, you're 99% telling them what to do and maybe 1% asking them what they think or feel. Mm -hmm. Um, And then by the time they're 17, it's going to be flipped to where it's like 95% exploring with them and 5% telling them what to do. And so we're in the middle of that at different stages. And so I think that's what's jumped out to me is, oh, okay, what does it look like for me to be genuinely curious about our children, uh, each of them as individuals, to be genuinely interested in knowing them and being with them and then genuinely interested in growing them through not me telling them you need to grow this way, which is kind of my default, but more me helping them see what they like, what they don't like, what they're feeling, what they're experiencing, what's working, what's not. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, um, as a caveat to that, I think early on you and I read a book that said, earn the trust of your kids early and young. Mm -hmm. And so we were, you were just mentioning that, you know, when they're two, X percentage of your time is spent telling them what to do and X percentage, a smaller percentage is spent um, asking questions. Right. And I would say that one thing that we have learned is earn the right to be heard early and young. And so building that trust um, early is really important. And so if you have young kids, start now by asking good questions and coaching rather than being sort of a preacher or a teacher in the traditional sense. So just an encouragement to parents with young kids, start this now. Your child might be two, but it's well worth your time because um, when they turn, get into their teenage years, they're going to want your voice and they'll need to trust your voice. And if that's not already established, you're kind of out of luck. Not totally out of luck, but, you know, it's it's harder. harder. If if you're thinking of the same book 
that I'm thinking of, and neither of us probably remember the title or the author, unfortunately. <laughs> but one of the main points was if you don't listen to your child when they're seven or eight, when they're like 100% gung-ho, want to talk to you all the time, it'll be much harder to get your 12 or 14 or 15-year-old to talk to you. So it's, it's not just asking questions, but it, the earning the trust for me has been focusing on listening well and showing I actually care what you have to say. Yeah. Even when it's hard to care about some of the things that they think are really, really important when they're young. Yeah. Uh, but that that trust turns into a 12-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 16-year-old being like, oh, at least I know my parents care and that they will listen when I'm willing to open up. Yeah, exactly. And I have to admit that sometimes this is hard. And exhibit A was last night when we were watching fireworks and we went to three different locations where neighbors in the, like it was within a mile radius, people were shooting fireworks off that they had purchased probably likely illegally. I mean, I can't imagine that those things were legal. Anyway, all that to say the third location, um, it was a little bit late. It was like 11 o'clock and there, it was more of a party context. And so I think that people were becoming more and more inebriated. Their judgment was low and you by the way yeah. there's nothing better than mixing fireworks and alcohol <laughs> <laughs> super smart it felt a little precarious <laughs> yes so i'm standing there with two of our kids and then you are with um our third one in the car who decides he's hungry and so you were going to run home and go get something to eat with him and then the other one went so it's just me and one of our sons who is around like um late elementary age. So we're standing there and I am thinking to myself, this is becoming more precarious and I'm a little nervous, but at the same time, he is sharing so much with me. Like it was delightful. He's explaining how his rocket's going to go off and the explosion and how the cloud's going to look. And then he's telling me about how um, excited he is because he really wants his brothers to see it. And what if they put a larger firework inside that rocket and if it would explode, da, 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 da. Like, like a constant stream of thought, a beautiful narrative of who our son is. However, it was 11 o'clock at night. We're surrounded by inebriated people who are not making good calls. And a little <laughs> fight breaks out at this little party. But we're like, we're on the fray. We're on the outskirts. Fringe. On the fringe. And um, totally observing. But like my senses are rising. And I'm thinking to myself, shut up. Shut up, shut up. I need to keep us safe. That's our main goal, right? So it, there was like this tension. So I wanted to listen to him really well because usually I find that our kids will talk the most to us and answer the most questions right before they're ready to go to bed because they don't want to go to sleep. I'm sure it's like some crazy tactic. Yeah. But they often are most open because they're finally resting in their beds. And I, I can ask questions. And so it's that moment when he's really tired and he's sort of like winding down so he has a ton to say and I need to keep us safe. And it was this weird moment where I wanted to earn trust, but I also had to... Be wary of the situation, be wary your of environment. The situation. So I ended up like guiding him and being like, hey, I really want to listen to what you're talking about. I really want to ask more questions. But I also want you to know that um, I'm nervous <laughs> about the situation <laughs> we're, we're in. And dad's not here with the car that we can jump into. So our plan of action is that da-da-da-da, like I, I went this whole thing. So I included him in this scenario, which I think matured him. One of the things that I wanted to say today, make sure that I said today was, it's important to talk to our kids as if they're a few older, few years older than what they really are because we can mature them with trust. So by trusting them with more information than what they think they can handle, mm -hmm. and by asking them questions in that way, we mature them into 
being young adults. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, it's frequently not too much for them to handle. It is often um, pedantic when we talk to our kids as if they're little tiny children. Yeah. And that, I think at some point, will bite us in the butt. So anyway, I let an adult conversation happen with our, our child last night. Yeah, that reminds me um, of, I think it was a Wall Street Journal article I read when our kids were young where they looked at how moms and dads talk to their kids differently. And this is young kids. Uh-huh. And fathers were just less likely to use kind of baby talk with a two-year-old or a three-year-old. Um, and so they used a broader um, uh, vocabulary. And that they found that kids actually learned more words by doing that than they yes. did by being like the, oh, how's little baby? I don't know what, I don't know what <laughs> baby talk sounds like anymore. That's <laughs> a little idiot. But it's the same idea where you're, what you're saying is not being inappropriate in your conversation with your children, but maybe going a step beyond where they might mentally or emotionally be in your questions and your probing, yeah. which helps grow them and expand their both emotional vocabulary and their actual vocabulary. Exactly. Exactly. So let's talk about, um, do you have a few guidelines you want to make sure we hit on um, in terms of what this looks like? Yes. As we were thinking about this topic, I think that the first thing that came to mind, um, there are a total, I have a total of five things that came to mind. The first one was asking questions, assuming the best of your kids as a coach and not an accuser. I think that when we talk about asking our kids questions, it's important to remember that we want to ask open-ended questions and we want, like, there are a lot of different ways we can go about this and we're going to get into that. But the most important thing is that we assume the best in them. Um, And we're not um, edging into sort of a passive-aggressive, like, um, tone or way of asking questions or or leading questions that sort of imply shame. Are you subtweeting me right now about the (laughs) passive-aggressiveness? Why don't you give an example of that? Uh, Do you even know? I mean, I have a (laughs) hundred... I mean, I, don't, <laughs> I hate when you look at me like, well, then, Go ahead. show how big an idiot you are. I got time, baby. <laughs> no, I tend to use sarcasm and passive aggressiveness more than I would like. And I'm, But anyway, I fully agree with what you're saying, which is we want to be, you know, genuinely believe in our kids and assume the best. And I think some of it is even being really careful about our words because often our intentions are real curiosity. But when you say, why did you do that? It's so easy, especially from your mother or your father for that to sound like an accusation, even if it's, even if it's not. So thinking through, how do I ask that and say, what, you know, not what were you thinking? Cause that also isn't accusatory, but Hey, can you help me understand why you did this? Or can you help me understand what was going through your mind when this was going on? Right. Right. And I think tone is real important. Yes. Um, so the difference is, help me understand why the towels are on the floor. That is a bad tone. A good tone might be, hey, I'm just trying to understand what your thought process is in leaving these towels out. Do you observe anything in the bathroom that needs to be taken care of before you go to bed tonight? Yeah. That's a tone that assumes the best. Um, so that's that's a pretty fine line, though. And that's where I think that talking with your spouse and asking them, for real feedback to say, is my tone shaming? Mm-hmm. Am I passive aggressive? Um, and allowing your spouse to speak into that is helpful. It's good to have someone else to say, yeah, probably a little bit, you know? Yeah, and I would say to give some full disclosure, and you can edit this out if you don't like it, um, like my 
go-to negative is to be a little like sarcastic or um, biting uh, in my commentary. My question will have like a tinge of like, are you an idiot, right? And you'll <laughs> tell me that from time to time, like, hey, whoa, slow down. Like you're being a little snippy. Um, and I think yours is to maybe jump to a conclusion that leads you to anger a little bit faster or like a yelling. A little bit faster. <laughs> a little bit faster than maybe you should. <laughs> and every once in a while I'll be like, hey, I think he was thinking this. Give him the benefit of the doubt, right? Right. So both of us can help coach each other to be uh, better at this and create a better experience for our kids that's a little bit safer. Yes. And I think the main um, thought process to have around this is that you are a coach and not an accuser. Like we're not trying to just correct behavior. We're trying to coach kids into observing the things around them and taking action toward better a better way of living or being more courteous. Yes. And when we use coach, we're using it in the modern, like, I'm on your team kind of coach, not <laughs> like the old school football, 1960s, like, you're going to die before like practice still- is over. <laughs> yeah. Run 10 laps. Go. And yeah. now you'll pick up your towel. Yeah. I mean, there's space for, again, discipline and, be, you know, challenging your kids. But that's not what we're saying here when we talk about coaching through questions. Yeah. Exactly. Give me an example of what you would say, like, um, outside of, like, just the to-dos of the day, but what is another question or way that you would ask a question that implies a coaching mentality? So um, this almost never happens, but every once in a while, like every six months, our kids might fight with each other (laughs) or might have a disagreement. (laughs) Every six minutes. Oh, my (laughs) God. So I think that's a place where um, there's a lot of opportunity if we're willing to take the time and our kid is in a good place to ask questions around, help me understand what was going on so we know the facts. Help me understand how that made you feel. What is it, you know, when your brother does X, when your sister does Y, what does that make you feel? Help me understand, you know, why you said what you said or what you did. And then you can get to what do you think are some better ways you could have handled that? Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, those are the types of questions where you're both exploring with them what they felt or experienced in a negative relationship interaction. And then you're giving them some vision through some good questions and maybe some prodding around, like, what are options to handle this better in the future? Yeah, exactly. I think that the other thing that needs to balance all of this out is that when we ask questions, it cannot always be on a corrective basis. Um, And so earning the trust, again, by asking questions about their heart, asking questions about their opinions, asking questions about um, their good. day. Yeah. Like good quality questions, not junk questions. Well, I was going to say asking about good things. So it's not like, oh, mom's asking me questions because I'm in trouble. Exactly. It's like, oh, mom's asking me questions because she likes me and cares about me and yeah, is interested. exactly. So get passionately curious. I think it was Einstein who's had a quote like that um, that we could probably throw in the show notes. But Getting passionately curious about our kids means that we're going to ask questions that not only seek to correct, but also seek out their heart, seek out their opinions and why things matter to them. Um, I think it's important because that also, we have to recognize that our questions actually tell our kids not only about what they can be doing or let them dream, but also it tells about who we are and what we care about. Right. And so if I'm asking questions like, um, I would a typical question I would ask to our preteen son would be, who are you hanging out with? Were the parents there? Tell me more about what the parents were doing. You know, like those are questions for me. Right. And that's what I'm curious about. So what that indicates to him is that 
I don't care about what you were doing. I care about who the parents are and that you were safe, mm -hmm. you know, rather than like, I, I think a better form of questioning in that scenario would be, tell me about what was exciting about hanging out with so-and-so. Were their parents involved? And what was fun about the parents being involved? Did you feel comfortable with the parents? You know, like, so I'm still understanding from my perspective, like, what I want to know about the parents because it's important that I safeguard our son, especially if I don't know another person's parents. But also, it lets him know I care about you and what you're experiencing in that context. Right. So, and I'm not prying just to find out where I can get you're in trouble, get you in trouble. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. were the parents there? What were you doing? Da, 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 da. Like, that's me trying to figure out what was really going on so that I either feel comfortable or I can tell you, you shouldn't have done that, right? Yeah. As opposed to, oh, did you enjoy yourself? What was going on? Exactly what you were saying before. I'm yeah. not going to repeat it yeah. like I usually do. <laughs> this podcast is like 50% you giving good advice and then 25% me repeating it. <laughs> and then I give a stat of the week. And then I laugh <laughs> loud enough for people to turn down their headphones. <laughs> So I wanted to go back to something, if it's okay. Yeah. Um, so you were talking about the fireworks situation, and I think that reminds me of one of your guidelines, which is context matters. Yes. Right? So, like, you knew that there was a, you know, kind of a potentially a public safety issue for your son. So right. you gave him some context around, hey, I really want to know this. I want to listen, but I might be slightly distracted, or we might need to move quickly. Um, and I think that's important, like... It's not great to ask your child questions in front of their friends about like how did you feel about that? You know, like that's embarrassing for <laughs> a ten year old or a fifteen year old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who's sitting right next to you. Yeah. Right? Like that's teasing. Um, and doing it just out in public might not work, but you know, like finding time you like you mentioned, one great time to talk to our kids is scratching their back when they're in bed because they start getting relaxed. They, I think they feel really safe. Um, and it's a, a good opportunity. Um, that's another piece is like there are certain questions that make sense to ask in front of their siblings. Yeah. And there are other questions that really should be one-on-one -on -one or two-on-one, -on -one, you know, parents to, parents to child. Yeah. I think that leads into the next guideline, which I think is our third one. Fourth one. Fourth one. So we've got asking questions, assuming the best of your child as a coach and not an accuser. The second one is get passionately curious about your kids. The next one is that context matters. Yep. Um, and then you just mentioned um, asking questions in front of the whole family versus um, on a more personal basis. I think one thing to note is that um, asking good questions develops family culture. So, for instance, um, the uh, maybe it was last night. Maybe a lot happened over the weekend, but you said, how do Smiths leave the kitchen better than we found it? How do Smiths leave relationship better than we found it? So you not only were um, reiterating sort of what we want our kids to know, but you were also developing a specific family culture and identity that solidifies our child. So, um, so by saying this is what Smith men do, says you belong. Yeah. This is part of who you are and gives them an identity. But you're also saying, hey, you do this. <laughs> you know? yeah, I, this is my expectation for you. I have high expectations for your how you handle people and their stuff and our stuff. Exactly, exactly. And that can be in a number of different scenarios. Like I would say if all the brothers are taking a shower at night, not together, but, you know, like <laughs> going. They like, couldn't fit anymore. <laughs> I know. Holy buckets. Rotating through the bathroom. The bathroom is all 
used, the water's all gone, the towels are all over, there's pee on the toilet. Like, a good way to sort of, like, create a family culture and create a moment is saying, hey, gentlemen, all of you, come on in here. Let's take a look at this bathroom. Now, how do Smiths leave what they found? Mm -hmm. You know, like, so just thinking along those lines. So it puts all of them in the same boat to work toward a goal and lets them feel like they belong. So it's not just one kid who's always getting harped on. Right. There's always going to be one kid in a day that feels like they're the bad kid. Yeah. Yeah. And we're doing a lot of bathroom maintenance work right now. So a lot of our <laughs> stories are from that. But that happened this weekend where I walked into their restroom and realized there were a few things not in the right place. And so I just grabbed all three of them and was like, hey, what do you think is out of place? And let them. And one of them was like, oh, there's some trash on the back of the toilet, you know, from an open, I think it was like a toothpaste box, toothbrush box. Um, and the one's like, oh, this towel's on the floor. Like they found all the things, but it was, instead of just being like, do this and do that and do that, or yelling at one of them, assuming it was them, just bringing them all in and saying, we are supposed to treat the bathroom in a certain way and leave it in a certain way. Tell me what we didn't do well this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't accusatory. Hopefully it was really designed to just like keep having that click in their head so that they'll slowly get that. Yeah. I wanted to make one other total side note before we move to the next one, um, which is, I, this is um, just, I think an example when we talk about creating a culture and creating identity to use code words or nicknames um, for things so that there are things that we all understand. One, I think that makes it stickier. Like you remember stories or you remember like code words. Yeah, can you give an example real quick? I'm, I'm getting there. Oh, okay. um, and I think it, it makes it stickier, but it also allows you to talk about it in front of other people without having to explain the whole thing or potentially shame someone, right? And so the one that you were talking about earlier, how do we leave things behind, I introed that and I said, this is the essentially the Japanese soccer team principle, right? And so when <laughs> yes. I say Japanese soccer team, they all know what that means, or I say Japanese soccer. And the, the background and on that... Now apparently everyone else knows what it means. Yeah, that's, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, uh, when I say Japanese soccer, what that means, or the background on that, is that uh, their famous Japanese soccer fans are famous at the World Cup for like cleaning up all the trash afterwards, and the soccer team actually cleans up their whole entire um, dressing room, and so people walk in and it's like spotless. And so it's the idea that that's what it means to leave things better off than you found them is to like clean up completely behind yourself, and that's true in the physical sense, but it's also true in relational, right? Like we leave relationships better and stronger than we found them, right? So that's, I wanted to add that before we move to number five, yeah, which is um, engaging your child with hope. Yes. Um, just a really... Uh, oh, sorry. I'm, I'm slow on the uptake today, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm fast. I'm ready to go. Let's go. Hey, Rich. Hey, let's go. <laughs> um, what I was just thinking is that works with discipline as well. Um, uh, yeah. And I think these go hand in hand. Asking good questions is a form of discipline. Um, I think discipline gets a bad rap. The word discipline gets a bad rap because it always implies spanking or it always implies punishment. Like, punishment. But discipline actually is guidance, like discipling, teaching, modeling behavior so that your kids can learn and grow and mature into functional adults. Mm-hmm. That's a, an, a good end goal. Um, and so the discipline um, piece of code words is also really helpful when you are sitting with your kids and something has gone awry um, and you need one specific kid to understand that they can't do that again, you create a code word. This has worked in our family. Like one kid was mean to the other kid. So I pulled the one kid aside and I was like, hey, listen, 
you may not realize this, but the other child knows or your brother feels like that you've wronged him and it may not make sense to you, but it seems like you're unaware of this and that's okay. Like it's an honest mistake. Let me help you. Our code word is going to be that. I think that particular one was tubby. We, it was some silly, tubby. it was some like silly. Oh, cause he wanted it to be, butt, and I was like, we can't have a code word be, butt. and so I was like, what about, butt backwards? He's like, okay. And, uh, so ended up being tub and then we joked about it. So it was a joke. We made it humorous, but that is an element of discipline to pull back and be like, Hey, we have a code word. I'm going to, I'm going to bring you along with me. I'm on your team and I want to remind you of who you are and what we're doing here, but it's only our code word. So and now it's not. I mean, now everybody knows. So if you see our kids, don't say tubby to them because they'll start being super nice to your children. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Anyway, but I, I think that that's important to note that this is a form of discipline. I think that um, some of the requests we've had from listeners is do a discipline podcast specifically. But I think all of these elements add up to discipline. It isn't a podcast about spanking or about timeouts. Like this, raising your children in the day-to-day, this is the discipline. Making code words is the discipline. Okay, last guideline. Yeah. Last guideline is engage your child with hope. Um, I think that you actually just had a conversation with our neighbor about this. In summary, talk with your kids as if they're older than they are, which we mentioned before, and grow them up into maturity and trust and hope on their behalf. Like, they may feel beaten down by the world. They may feel ashamed. They may feel afraid. And it is our job as parents to engage them with hope and vision for who they can be, who we know they can be. We just got to work hard to get there. Yeah. I would say the other side of that hope is we as parents can feel despair because all we're seeing is our kids' failings or, like, we're fearing that they're not going to get something. I know I was thinking about this this weekend where I am just so concerned that our kids are going to have my weaknesses or my faults that Mm -hmm. I kind of harp on those instead of just like embracing who they are as a whole person. And maybe they'll have some of my faults and they'll have some of my strengths and they'll have some of your faults and they'll have some of your strengths and they'll have their own faults. I don't have any faults. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Next week we're going to talk about being honest with yourself. (laughs) Self-awareness. And Rachel won't be here. (laughs) That's just me, me doing a diatribe. <laughs> but but I, that's part of, in that quote we talked about, like I have to separate my emotions of like, oh, I have fear that my kids are going to be 12 for the rest of their lives or they'll never learn how to clean their bathroom. <laughs> separate that and be like, my kids are developing and I have hope for the future and I'm going to keep pointing them and then I'm going to keep asking them questions and instead of feeling like every time i got to correct them if they give the quote-unquote wrong answer, I'm going to keep working with them, listening to them, understanding where they're at and why and embracing that because they are whatever, you know, if your kid's four, like embrace that they're four and they act like a four-year-old and they think like a four-year-old and keep growing them so they become a five-year-old and so forth and so on, right? Yeah. Instead of being like, they need to, I got to get this out of them or else they're going to turn out blah, 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 right? And a lot of that is motivated for me out of my own shame and some attributes about myself and my own faults. Yeah, and I would say that this is much easier to do for your first kid than your last kid. I mean, I, I feel like... For the last one, I'm like, oh, he's only five. He's fine. Whereas with the first one, I was like, no, you need to be reading at a seven-year-old level, not a five-year-old level. Like there's always, 
um, a little bit more push, I think. Um, but I think, I think you're exactly right. I think that goes back to what we've talked a lot about before, which is taking the long view on behalf of our kids, mm-hmm. saying, you know, they, they will grow out of this, and I'm going to help them take them by the hand and pull them along. Yeah, that's great. Any yeah. closing thoughts before we go? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right. Well, I'm looking. Before I start singing, I think we should go to a stat of the week. Stat of the week. Take the long way home. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, Rach. Dave, you want to explain why you sang that song? Sometimes you just say stuff, and it reminds me of a random line from a song. <laughs> I don't even know that song. Take the long way home. That's all I know. No, I think it's in your head. Like, I don't no, think No, that's a real a song. Real song. It's, I'm going to look it up okay. right now. <laughs> no, it's a, uh, it's a Super Tramp song. I know you are a huge Super Tramp <laughs> fan. Take the long way home. Okay, but, I believe you. All right. Let's link it in our show notes. We'll link it to a YouTube video of Super Tramp, Take the Long Way Home, 1979. Aww. Oh, it's as old as you. That's nice. Whoops. Just told everybody. Oh, <laughs> darn. <laughs> All right, Rachel. Speaking of old things, yes, this past old week, things. I'm not old. Speaking I just of how old things are, <laughs> there we go. Um, this past weekend, we celebrated the birth of our nation. I guess Declaration of Independence. I don't I know guess. if that's when our nation is born. <laughs> it's yeah. when we were declared, um, July fourth, seventeen seventy six, which is a long time ago. Do you know the U.S. is not the first? country to have a national independence day uh yeah no yes i don't even know how to answer that (laughs) so of modern countries do you know what country has the oldest independence day oldest independence day yeah germany Mm. close right continent i'll give you one more guess think italy toblerone Switzerland? Yeah. Really? I'm surprised by that. The Swiss Confederation was founded in 1291. Man. That's like... That's old. That's like 800 years ago? 700 years ago? I can't even do the math right now. Um, And yeah, and they was... (laughs) Sorry, I'm laughing because I can't pronounce any of these names, but the date refers to a historic alliance concluded in 1291 by the three cantons of Uri, Schweiz, and Unterwalden. (laughs) This, this alliance tries was, <laughs> This alliance was to become the focal point around which the Switzerland of today was built over the next 500 years. This is all from myswitzerland.com, which I think is their tourism website. Uh, yeah. So Uri, Schwerz, and Uterwalden <laughs> got together and created this alliance. And they essentially um, were uh, declaring independence from the Holy Roman Empire back then. Interesting. But here's what's interesting is when do you think they first started celebrating uh, what they call Swiss National Day? In the 1300s. No, 1891. Really? Yeah. August 1st is when it's celebrated, by the way. Well, fancy that. And Canada Day is July 1st. Just so you know, that was also their (laughs) Independence Day recently. Good Any more uh, you want to know about? (laughs) Good facts today. Lots of, lots of, ooh, Uri, Schweizen, (laughs) and Unterwalden. Hi, Rach. Thanks for working on the Swiss farm. Thank you for working on the farm. Check ya.